Hello everyone to the European uh, football talk, to the real hero football talk today on a Saturday with uh, on my side coach Mella again. We are all tired from the draft yesterday. 49ers, we got the right receiver. Perfect. And the Dallas Cowboys drafting a right receiver is the best 3-15 and 15 team ever <laughs> so far. And with us today, one of my best friends, mentor, and a great coach, Seth Womack, is now the head coach in Oregon on a high school, the Redmond Tenders High School. But he has a great story to tell. He was playing college, playing GFL, going back to the States, coaching, coaching GFL, and now coaching on high school. So it's a long journey and a lot of things to take notes about. Uh, hey, Seth, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to have you. Thank you, too, uh, for taking this time in this crazy cor uh, corona side. First of all, start quick with um, you taking over at a new head coach job in high school. And everything is locked down about Corona. You know anything about your season? How that can go on? You know, we don't. We we've been we've been out of school since March 10th, um, and you know this is the time for us. It, it, you know, really, we get cranking up with our off-season uh, conditioning, spring drills. Uh, we start spring ball. Um, our our state-mandated practices next month, or you know, in May. So. Um, you know, we're, we're very behind and, and we're not being, you know, we're not being told anything new. Uh, as of right now, we're, we're still locked out and uh, you know, stay as healthy as possible. We, we're sending the kids workouts at home to do, you know, there's no gyms open, no weight rooms open. And that's, it, it's, it's been tough. Yeah. And what do you think, because now yesterday was the draft, what do you think when everything not happened? I mean, the American system is made that kids signing from high school to college, college kids getting draft eligible, but with having no season, I mean, the NFL teams don't know what they need, the college teams don't have new recruits, and the high school kids don't get recruits. That would be a nightmare, or? Yeah, you know, but I, I, I mean, I think, you know, the, 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 you know, the positive thing to think about here is, is that I think we're going to have a season. I, I don't think that I don't think that it's it's not going to happen. It's just going to be a little bit different. We're going to have to, you know. And I think one of the great things that football teaches young men is it just is to be resilient and you know and, and to be able to overcome you know harsh hard things. Um, and that's one of the great things about football. You know, you throw an interception, well, you got to be able to respond and, and recover from that very quickly, um, and be able to adapt and, and all those things. And I think that's what we're all getting a, a, a real taste of what that looks like in life, right? Um, you know, this is, nobody planned for this, you know, and, you know, I look at it, even with my, my kids, I've got a, you know, I've got a young, you know, young kids in school, uh, you know, and, and when he comes home with his online homework, you know, and stuff that he's supposed to do, I don't know what the heck to do, you know, here, I mean, it's, it's all over the place, his online classes, and I'm a teacher, you know, and it's like, even in our school district, it's still very difficult for us as parents to navigate that and get it all set up, and, you know, we get frustrated, but we have to bring it back. And nobody planned for this. Nobody planned for the NFL season. Their OTA should be going on. You know, their our spring ball, college spring ball is all canceled. Nobody's planned for this. Uh, and so we're, 
we're getting a, a look at how to be resilient and how to overcome. And, and, and I think we're all going to do it. And I think it's going to make us all better for it. Yeah. And this, we come out of it, we're going to, we're going to be okay. Um, we're just going to have to learn to adapt a little bit. You know, the college game is going to change a little bit. In the NFL, we saw the first ever virtual draft yesterday. Uh, kids are still getting recruited. They're just not getting in-person recruited. Um, in high school, kids, you know, like I said, we're still working our kids out. You know, we give our kids a six-day home workout of all body weight squats um, and, and body weight exercises and, and things like that. And you know, we're having them compete online. We're using a, sport, a, a team app where, you know, they're doing these six rounds of these different exercises where it's all on time and they're posting their time so they can compete against their friends. Um, so it's not ideal, but it is what we got right now. And we're, we're going to make the best of it. Yeah, that sounds great. I think this is what we, the teams here in Hero are doing as well. We give our guys homework and making online courses, football, and then uh, we see when we can start again. But um, I'm ready because I'm ready to shave my face, man. I, I just, you yeah. know, I, I, I told my wife on the first day because I didn't, I didn't think it was going to go this long. I said, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to shave until we go back to school. She's holding me to it. You know, it's kind of like a, who can outlast the other one? She doesn't think I can make it. So now I'm just going to dig in. I'm going to hold this thing until I get back to work. Oh, wow. we, we are all the same. Everyone needs haircuts yeah. because the haircut shops, the barber shops are closed in Hero. And we, everyone, we, everyone, every man is in the same boat around the world right now. We're looking yeah, like yeah. Yeah. He, he refuses to shave. Yeah. <laughs> he buzz he buzzed his head, had me help him, but he refuses to shave. <laughs> buzzes, he buzzes his head, he's going to look like an ET with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got the confidence. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, but coming uh, coming to your playing time, when you start, I mean, how was your starting football experience? Um, college sure. when you start with uh, with playing football, and then you're going to Arena League. I don't know. Is the Arena League's also close. I don't even know if they exist anymore. I know the team that I played for doesn't exist, but yeah. you know, to, to start to start your question, and 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 also, Sebastian, you you'll be a good judge of this. You know how I get. I I talk really fast sometimes. So if I start talking fast, you know, just throw the pin at the camera or something at me, and that way I know to slow down. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I I'm probably a very uh, I say this, I'm I'm probably one of the only head football coaches probably in the country in the United States at least. I'm sure there's some in Europe, but, um, you know, that'll, that'll openly admit that I, that probably my favorite sport is soccer or football, you know, football. Um, <laughs> okay. I, grew, I grew up, I grew up playing, I grew up playing, you know, football, you know, soccer from a, a little kid and five years old, um, played it every, you know, fall, spring, uh, every opportunity I got and, and was you know, really excelled off, you know, in soccer as a young kid. And then uh, my the town I lived in, and grew up and didn't have didn't have football until seventh grade. You couldn't join a football team until you were in seventh grade. So um, I played soccer, and then when seventh grade hit, I hung those cleats up and you know put the helmet and shoulder pads on and and never looked back. But I still love watching soccer. I love you know I still like playing it a little bit. Um, I'm just a little too big now. You know. Yeah, I remember we watching together a game in Braunschweig, Eintracht Braunschweig. And I remember you are so pissed off because the only goal would happen was a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you're like, this is not a real goal. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, and uh, 
you know, so in seventh grade, I, I don't know, what are you, 12 years old, I think, you know, in seventh grade. So that's when I started playing American football at 12. Um, played my seventh and eighth grade year, played all through high school. Um, had an opportunity to, to play college football. Um, spent, you know, uh, one semester at, at Southern Illinois University uh, and uh, in Carbondale, Illinois, and then uh, transferred to Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri. And uh, finished my four years there at Westminster College, and, and had a had a pretty good career. I was, um, you know, a three-time All-Conference player, um, and uh, because of that, I got I got an opportunity to play what you mentioned with the River City Rage um, in St. Louis, Missouri, as an arena team, um, and you know, got to play some really good people. Got to you know, had a great experience with that. Uh, did that for two seasons. Um, and then uh, just just to correct you, Sebastian, I, I never played in the GFL. I, oh, I played okay. against the GFL team. Uh, my freshman year in college at Westminster in 2001, uh, my college, uh, Westminster, went over and played against the Rooselsheim Razorbacks in uh, right outside of Frankfurt, um, where uh, Mike Wyatt was the head football coach there. And, yeah. um, and uh, my defensive coordinator, uh, Mike Daly, uh, and offensive coordinator Scott Pingle and our quarterback coach Justin Terry had all played over in the GFL. So they had that connection with Coach Wyatt, uh, and that's what got our, our college team over there. And uh, what an awesome experience. Um, you know, that experience really opened my eyes to European football. And I knew, you know, even at that time, you know, it was my freshman year of college that, you know, hey, I'd met some of the, the, the American guys um, that were over there. Mike Lawrence, he was a running back from Kansas State. Him and I ended up being teammates there at the River City Graves. Uh, and, and uh, uh, Jesse uh, Rannick, I can't remember what his last name was. I met some of those American players that were on the Razorbacks at that time and, and really made me, you know, tell my, you know, I told myself, hey, I really want to come over here and play. I really want to play in Europe when I'm done with all this. And, yeah. You know, I had, I had an opportunity to. What's that? You say 2001, you go with Westminster to play in Germany. When your head coach was coming in and say, "Hey, we go to Germany play American football," you know something. There was no internet, big, so you know something. Or like, yeah, I ain't that old cowboy. Yeah. There was internet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> not like right now with Facebook everywhere and Instagram, sure. all that stuff. Sure. Uh, no, you know, and, and you know, and I think that's the you know that's one of the things about you know you know when you play you know, football and high school football and college football. I mean, I think, you know, you, you play for those coaches that you, you trust and you love and you really you do anything for. I mean, you know, my college coaches said, hey, Seth, we, we're going to go to Mars and play a game of football. We're going to go to, you know, what I'm off. I'm in, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, if they think that's what's best for our team, I was going to, I would have done it. And uh, it was cool. You know, they, they, we had to raise a little bit of money. I think it was, you know, it was a 10 day, 14 day trip over to, to Frankfurt and, you know, and, and they laid it out for us and like, here's what we're going to do. And we, we, we went and toured Heidelberg. We went, um, to, to, you know, did some castles. Um, we went up to Buchenwald and, and experienced that. And I think that was a great educational experience for our, our, a lot of our young, young males that, you know, are a little, you know, just, they're not very, you know, they weren't very familiar with what really happened, you know? And so it was a very, it was a very educational experience for them. Great experience that they that they'll take with them forever, you know. And, and then just that overall trip was awesome. You know, we got to play against the Razorbacks and practice with the Razorbacks and got to see some really good players. And, uh, and yeah, it was fun. It was it was really it was a great a great opportunity. That's great. And then 
how it goes on. Then you go back to coaching or still playing. Uh... So yeah, I had I had three years left after that. You know, I had three years of college left. Um, and uh, or I'm sorry. So are you talking about after the after the the rage or? Yeah, with uh, with uh, Westminster and then with uh, yeah. the uh, Arena team. Yeah. So when I was playing with the Rage, I got an opportunity to you know, that that season runs. For, it's, it's it's kind of similar to the GFL one. You know, they start it starts in January. Yeah. Uh, we started our season there in January. Um, so I was actually playing and finishing up my last semester of college. And uh, and so when that was over, our season ended in I think July. Um, after I had graduated college, I was done with college. And so I got an opportunity to coach football in, in Worcester, Massachusetts at a, at a college, uh, Worcester Polytechnic Institute. It's a, it's a small division three school, uh, but it was, you know, I felt like it was going to be a good opportunity. They were kind of known for um, really getting young guys in and, and, and helping develop them as coaches and getting them on to a, you know, a bigger four-year you know, division one, division two. And that was kind of one of my goals. I thought, you know, Hey, I want to be a, I want to, I want to be a division one football coach. I want to coach for, you know, university of Illinois or you know, Ohio state someday. Um, still would love to, um, but you know, my, my priorities as I've gotten older with a family and kids have changed a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, that was kind of my goal. And, and I went there and coached for a year in Worcester and, and, you know, worked with great staff. Uh, Ed Zaloom was the head coach there. Chris Robertson, who's now the head coach at WPI. Uh, Chris has done a – Chris was a great mentor, great friend, um, just a, an outstanding coach and just a great leader for, for young men to, to look up to. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why he's he's still the head coach that Chris is, and, and uh, he, he does a great job. But got to work with them, and then, but then I got another opportunity to go back and play for the Rage. They, they offered me another contract to come back and play. Um, you know, in St. Louis is my hometown, um, and so I got another opportunity to go play in front of you know, and, and, and jumped all over it. Yeah, and did that for the second year, and then in the fall, I, I coached for Columbia Rockridge High School. Uh, it was my first high school that I got to you know got to coach with at, and you know, and I took that job because my college roommate um, Justin Conyers, um, he he was the uh, defensive coordinator on that on that staff. And he said, "Hey, come out. We're going to have. We're going to do some good things here." And so I took the job, and and um, the head coach there was named a guy named AJ Fadale. And AJ played at the University of Missouri, played nine years in the NFL for the uh, Buffalo Bills, the Ravens, um, and one other, maybe the New York Giants. And uh, but AJ was like a two-time All-American tight end at University of Missouri. And, um, AJ, you know, was awesome, and AJ just. Uh, he was on the University of Missouri staff these last five years with Barry, Barry Odom. And uh, AJ is you know, no longer at Missouri, but he, he was a great guy to get to learn from. And his style coaching was just something I'd never seen before. He was, he's the, you know, was really that player coach guy. You know, he, he really developed really solid relationships with his kids. And, um, and that was, you know, it was very evident that was one of the most important things for him. And so I got to, you know, got to see a lot of this stuff early on in my career and, and knew that coaching is what I want to do. And I really liked high school football, but still had that itch for college. Yeah. Um, and then after that season was over, I was hoping to go back and play with the Rage. Um, and I wanted to play another season of football. And, and you know, I still, I was still in good shape. You know, I, I say shape. I was an offensive lineman. I was six, you know, four, 300 pounds. So um, I, you know, I was pretty healthy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I called Coach Wyatt. He was the head coach, Mike Wyatt. Um, 
and just said, hey, you know, I'm ready to, ready to you know, when's trial, you know, not try, when's camp going to start up and all that. And he said, well, he goes, I got news. I, I took a job as, at, at well, his was his alma mater, Oklahoma Panhandle State University out in, in Goodwill, Oklahoma, um, which is where I'm at today. I'm out here with my wife's family out here in Oklahoma. And, and, uh, and uh, he said, I, I'd love for you to come out and coach with him. And uh, yeah. so either give up, you know, give up playing and, 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 you know, put that behind me or, you know, could follow what I knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, which was coach. And so I, I did. I stopped playing and, and moved out to Goodwill, Oklahoma. And uh, you know, Goodwill, I didn't know anything about it. You know, I never, I don't even know if I'd ever been to Oklahoma until, until then and, and uh, came out and, and spent four years, met my wife here, and, and uh, loved it. Loved every day I was out here, and still still like this area. Uh, but uh, you know, it's awesome. Four, it four is, years, yeah. It's a, it's a roller coaster. You're going going everywhere. I think this is what you know, as a young coach and player, if you really want to do that, your passion. It's not really often you can stay on one place for no. twenty years. You know, it's always. It's, that's a rarity. Opportunity. Yeah. You know. Very rare to stay in the same place long, you know. And, and you know, that was, that was like one of the things that, you know, Coach Wyatt said. You know, he always told me, he said, you know, it's, you know, after about six, seven years, it's time to move on, you know, you, you know at any level, whether you're, you know, at, at the high school level, college level, NFL level. I mean, it, it's, you know, you, six years, you, you know, it's, you, you got time to put what you want in, but then it's it's probably time for you and the program to, to get some new new life, new new breath blown into it. You know, and, and yeah. You know, not that you can't stay at a place very long. I mean, where I'm at now, I mean, I, I you know, I, I I don't have any desire to ever leave where I'm where I'm currently at. You know, Redmond, Oregon is is a beautiful place. Uh, my wife's mom and dad are moving up there, um, so my kids' grandparents are going to be in the same town and. and I work with some amazing people, and, and if you've ever been to Central Oregon. There's there's not a lot of places like it. It's a it's a great place. So. Oh yeah, I mean Oregon is a is a, is a, is a obviously a great place a great place to be. And now that you're on Panhandle, um, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. how you come from there then to the head coaching job in the GFL with the Braunschweig Lions? And Braunschweig back in the day was not the Braunschweig right now. Yeah, no, you know, it's so um, after my first year, after my first year at, at Panhandle State, um, Coach Wyatt had he, he had spent 14 years over in, between Sweden, Germany, and Italy. Um, he was in Ferrara, Italy, and, and then Rüsselsheim, and up in uh, he was the Nordic Vikings head coach. And, um, he had coached against a lot of guys, and, and uh, a guy named John Harper reached out to him and wanted to know if he had any players that might want to come over and play in Austria. Um, and he said, no, but I got a coach that probably would, uh, you know, and, and I mentioned I was, I was a 300 pound offensive lineman. Well, you know, fast forward a year later, I'm down about 230 pounds. I had, I had just devoted myself to getting healthy and I'm, you know, I'm done playing. <laughs> yeah. I'm done playing. I'm going to, I'm going to get myself in shape. So I'm 230 pounds. And, and he's like, you want to go to Austria after this, you know, in the spring, summer to play. And I said, yes, I do. And, uh, so I went over to Austria and I was, I think I tried to, you know, probably didn't look like an American player other than the A on the hat because, you know, I, I was a 230-pound offensive lineman. I probably looked like a, just a you know, normal Joe. <laughs> uh, you know, I, and that was before the St. Fulton Invaders. And uh, we made it to the Silver Bowl, and we lost to that one team, that purple team out of the end. I don't even 
I, I dare not say their name. Yeah. Um, they have horns on their helmet. You know, coach, coach over there, he does a great job. He's an Oregon guy. So, um, but, uh, you know, it was fun. Enjoyed that. Enjoyed the heck out of my time there in, in Austria. Um, you know, my teammates, I, I, I still love those guys dearly. Um, Thomas and Renee and, and Paulie and, and, you know, I'm going to forget, you know, not, I'm not going to name them all, but they, they all, I think about them all, all the time. And, and love those guys. Then I went back to Oklahoma and, and um, you know, the four years went by, you know, we, we took over a program in the NCAA. They were an NCAA Division II program at Oklahoma Pan Am State. When we got there in 2007, they hadn't won a game in three years. They were 0-33. Okay. Um, they had the longest losing streak in the NCAA at the time. Um, there was a lot of talk that they were going to shut the program down. They were just, you know, it's a, it's a rodeo school. They, they, they a lot of you know, it, it, Europeans think, you know, I mean, it, they're cowboys. I mean, there's cowboys <laughs> at this school and uh, real, real 100% cowboys. And, um, you know, they're, they're the, they are, a, the Oklahoma Pano State is, is known for their rodeo. They, they have bull riders, bronc riders, you know, steer wrestlers, cattle rope. I mean, they're, it's the real deal. And there's a lot of those guys, lots of guys that, that are in school that are competing at the professional level. Um, in rodeo, making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars as, as a college kid. So uh, it's, it's very, very uh, common to see that. Um, you know, we had a world champion, Taos Muncie, on campus while I was there coaching. You know, this dude drove around a, you know, a $100,000 rig that was sponsored by, you know, Wrangler. And, and it was just a, it was a cool, it was cool, kind of a cool experience to see that, you know. And, but, uh, <clears throat> So anyway, like I said, you know, we won. Our, we went that first year in 2007. We went 0 and 10, and uh, my first experience ever being on an, an winless team. And it was to say it was a very tough, tough, trying year. But it was a very. I'm glad that I got to do that. I'm glad. I, and uh, and y'all could probably look at me cross-eyed and say whatever you want, but I think everybody needs to experience that at least once because there's nothing that will humble you more. Then when you put everything you got into something, and and you don't get the result that you want, um, and and that that year really you know it really kept me grounded and, and kept me understanding what was important. It's always about the process and, and doing what what you know is right. Um, and we we stayed on that path. And, and Coach Wyatt preached that. You know his thing was that something that you you've heard me say it, Sebastian, and I know that guys with the Lions that, that played for me there. They heard, they heard me say it, but, you know, take care of the little things, and the little things will take care of themselves. And, and that was something that Coach White always just, just drove home to us, always. You know, those little things, they may not individually matter much, but in, at the end of the day, those little things add up, and those little things matter. They're what matters. And so, um, you know, it's something that I, I, I passed on to my players and I continue to drive home is, is you know, really take care of those little things. You take care of those, the big things will take care of themselves. And, you know, when we talk football, what are the little things? And that's, you know, that's, that's catching the football. That's, not, that's something small. But that little detail of how you do it, how you place your hands, how you look the ball into your hands, how you tuck it once you do catch it, you know, all those little things matter. You can't, you can't score the touchdown. You can't you get the big catch. You don't do those little things right. So, and, then, and that applies, you know, again, you know, one of the things that, that you know, I really – I really push about myself is, is, is football is more than just a game and, and, and how we teach and, and, and coach young men to be young men and, and husbands, fathers, and employees. And, and, you know, we want to be good men when they, when they leave our program. 
care of those little things that matters as a husband, as an employee, as, as you know, every walk of your life. So, um, so we, we, we stayed on our process and, um, you know, it, it, that second year, we finally got our first win. We went, uh, we went two and eight that second year. Um, and then, you know, again, kept recruiting, kept doing what we know we, we can do. Um, third year, we won five games. We went five and six. Um, we, we had an opportunity to get that winning season and didn't get it. Um, and then our fourth year, we finally broke through and finally had a winning season. First winning season in like 20 years there. Wow. It was, you know, it was, it, it really, you know, it was great. It was one of the best feelings as a coach I've had. You know, it, it really was. And, and just knowing that, and, and the great thing about it, our coaching staff, all of us stayed together that four years. You know, there was a couple guys that had left and had come in, but for the most part, our coaching staff was intact. In um, and, and we really rode that first freshman, that first class we had. We brought those kids in. Like I said, we had 36 kids in January 2007. Um, and the president of the, the university and athletic director told us, we need 120 kids on this roster by the fall. So basically, we were going around to high schools around the Texas Panhandle, Oklahoma Panhandle, checking kids, making sure they have a pulse. Oh, you got a pulse? You want to play football? Let's go. You know, that was kind of, that was kind of the that was kind of our recruiting strategy that first year. You know, if you if you had to tie up your shoes and put a helmet on, you had an opportunity to play Division two football for us. And um, you know, we recruited a lot of really talented kids and, and guys that um, you know just stayed the course, uh, followed that process. And, and, you know, their senior years, it paid off, you know. And, and um, after that fourth year, you know, like I said, we had that winning season and everything was good. We, we really was expecting to have a, a really, really good season that following year. Um, and then in December, um, Coach Wyatt, he, had, he passed away suddenly. Uh, and uh, so it kind of, you know, you know, made us all, you know, kind of, you know, we had to stop and really kind of refocus and, and kind of see what, you know, what, what was Everybody was going to, what was going to happen, and um, you know, we we missed him dearly. And, and you know, because he again, Coach White was more than just my coach, and more than my boss. You know, he, he was again, I would have followed that man to Mars if he asked me. And I loved him to death, loved him dearly, loved. Him. And uh, and so, you know, I, I I had an opportunity through some of my contacts. Uh, you know, I I'd gotten to know Troy Tomlin, um, and Coach White had knew some of the people there with the, the Lions and. They reached out and, and uh, asked if I'd be interested in coming to, to Germany and, and being uh, the Lions head coach. And um, at the time, I, my wife and I were just kind of newly married. And we had no kids, and we were like, "Heck yeah, let's do it!" And so we packed up and, and off the ground, shrag Germany, we went. And, uh, it was, how how was that? I mean, because you're, you're talking about, I mean, you've already talked about essentially the, the epitome of coaching. And I love the fact how Bruce Arians and I, I look up also to him. He's a good mentor, but Basically, like you said, you got to prepare to put your put your house on wheels, and that's yeah. done trying to build a career. And then, like I, I want to kind of see like also with your wife because you guys met there while you're in Oklahoma at Penlam, and then now you're kind of set looking. Okay, I'm probably gonna go move on somewhere, but it's not in the states; it's in Germany. Yeah, you know? I mean, and like you're saying, it's it's tough on everybody, but a lot of people don't understand. It's also tough on who, on the wives, the kids. Oh, sure. How, how was that to convince her? You know, it, it, here's 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 kind of the thing, man. It, it really there was there really was no convincing there, you know. And and I and I think that's the thing that you know a lot of I don't know how, I don't know how to word this right, but I mean you know I think that's where a lot of coaches have that 
maybe that problem, you know, they, they, they get married or they, they, that, that agreement, my wife knew who she married day one. Mm-hmm. My wife knew that I'm a football coach and that, you know, and, and I think, the, you know, the thing that you look at is, you, you know, you take each other for what you are. And, and my wife knew it. We, I know what she is and I'm not going to try to change her and make her something she's not. And mm-hmm. she knew that, you know, she knew that day one and we started dating. We talked about those things. And, and again, you know, those little things, it was that little, those little conversations of me letting her know that and just being up front with her from day one. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, we're not probably staying in Diamond, Oklahoma, in like Little Oklahoma for the rest of our life. We're going to, we're going to be moving. You know, we, we just moved into our new house in Oregon. You know, we, we, uh, I took this job last June. And so I've been there, you know, one full year almost had a season. Uh, but we, we didn't buy our house until about two months ago. We just got moved in. You know, we're unpacking boxes and my wife's like, go throw those up into the attic. And I'm like, why? She's like, dude, we're probably going to move again something. And I'm like, no, 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 we're, we're, we're really not this time. I mean it. And um, she's like, yeah, okay, save these boxes. So, you know, it, it's just, it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's again, a little thing like just being honest and open and communicating at what you need to be communicating up front and it goes a long way. Um, but, you know, she, she's been, she's been great. You know, she's, um, She's the you know the epitome of what a, a coach's life you know, is, and she's you know she's put she kind of put her life on hold for several years you know for our kids and our family. Um, she's you know she's she's a lot stronger than I am in many ways. And, and, you know, and That's great, yeah. Throw, throw her ten feet, but she's she's tougher than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and how was then the the first impression from living then in Germany, the German football culture. I mean, you get this in Austria in um, as a player, but now you're a coach and in, in the GFL. How was this live culture football thing for you as a coach then? Well, you know, just because I had been over to Europe before, you know, I had been to Austria, lived in Austria, been to Norway and um, played over there. Um, And then uh, also, you know, my time there in, in the, the brief time in, in my freshman year in college in, in, in Frankfurt, you know, I kind of knew what to expect, um, you know, but again, I, I kind of draw back to that first year at Pan Am State, you know, that we went 0-10, uh, you know, when I got hired on at Braunschweig, let me be honest here, they, they told me that it was a rebuilding year and that, that the goal of the year was to keep our head above water, that there were, there were no expectations. I think they won three games the year before that I got there, something like that. You know, they had all these guys retire from their glory days. And, um, and so the, the expectation was to, was that, that it was, you know, now I'm not that kind of person. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to go in and say, you know, I just want to be okay. I just want to be average. You know, I don't want to be average with anything. I don't care if me and you're playing, you know, checkers again. So I'm going to try to smash it. That's, that's, I, I'm a competitor and I want to compete in everything I do. And I want to, I want to be the best that I can be at whatever it is. Yeah, and so, um, but but that but that's what the expectations were, and you know, so I went into it, you know, I go into every job, I go into it humble, knowing that I don't know everything, and that I think I'm going to have to rely on the people around me. Um, I'm going to have weaknesses, um, and, and I and I you know I say this, and and when I was there in Braunschweig, I, I, you know, I was very lucky and very fortunate that I had a couple coaches that I trusted, that I that I loved, and that I knew were loyal. Um, and that could help me in my deficiencies and where I was not good at. And I, and I think that's what every coach needs to do. Um, I don't care if you're in Germany or you're in, in, in 
in Antarctica or you're in, you know, in Texas or Oklahoma, wherever, whatever level, you know, you've got to hire people. You've got to have coaches around you that do things really good that you don't. Um, and, and, and German, in Brownsburg, I had, I had a couple guys that did, and I had a couple guys that didn't, you know, and, and, um, you know, there was, you know, there was still a lot of that old school mentality there that, you know, hey, we're, we're brown shag and we need to win 50 games this year. Get it. I want to do it too. But in reality, that wasn't the case that year. Exactly, yeah. That's what, that was what I think what drove because I was with you there to 11. It was my, actually my first station in the, in the wheel man's coaching. Um, I learned there, I, this is why I love to be a head coach because I can make the decision and I only work with people I trust. Yeah. That's one thing I, I learned there. I say if you if you work with people you don't know, oh, it will it will be a nightmare. I, it's hard. It's hard, you know, and, and yeah. you know, and that and, and that was you know, that was one thing that, you know, and I look back at that my experience there with the Lions, I mean, I, and and I say this to people or people you know, I'm still getting questions sometimes about it. You know, I didn't I didn't I you know I, I'm very grateful and, and very appreciative. Um, for my time there and, and my experience, uh, because I did learn a lot. You know, I learned a, I learned a lot. It was it was my first, it was my first true head coaching job, um, and it, you know, and that was one of the most important things I learned was know all the details before you get in. Oh yeah, absolutely. Know all the details, ask questions, and, and and I was so excited to get an opportunity to a be a head coach. Uh, and B, take over a program that had the, 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 the history and, and the, the tradition that that program does. You know, and I mean, let's be real honest here. There's, I don't care what level you're at. There's not a lot of teams in football, American football, that has the history and the tradition that they do. I mean, they're, they're, they're one of the best to do it. You know, they win games. They have, they have, they, and they produce good people. Yeah. And, what do you remember about one person in Braunschweig everyone know about Walter? What do you remember about Walter? He comes out Walter, holy grumpy Walter, man. I miss that guy. You know, it just it, it doesn't matter. You know, I remember we we beat Dresden. Um, and you know, that going into that game, I think we beat them 14 to 10, something like that. It was a really close game. They had, you know, they were expected to, I think between that year, it was either them and Keel. Everybody talked that those, those are the teams to beat. Um, and we beat Dresden at home, um, and everybody was super happy, and Walter's just said, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know much German at the time, uh, but I don't think he was speaking German. I don't know what he was speaking, but he, yeah. he was just unhappy about something, and then, you know, then he kind of cracked a smile at me and gave me a thumbs up, and then he went back to belly aching about something else, so. Uh, you know, I think I think that's Walter's way of just telling you he loves you. Is, is if he's not mad at you or giving you a grumpy face, um, you know he, he 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 you know there might be something wrong if he's not mad. But if he's happy, you might need to look out. Yeah, he's a funny uh, a funny funny guy. Yeah, is there something you say when you when you look back? Something you say I will change that. I mean, we go in the season with Dennis Zimmerman as a German quarterback. Uh, I think I remember we had we had the order to get more German guys on the field and uh, we built a branch wide team. Would change after some games was like nobody want to know that anymore. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. There, there's definitely things I would change, you know, about it. I mean, there's 
you know, one, I would like to know, I would have liked to have known, um, again, more of the details of what was really going on. I would have liked to have known, you know, ultimately, ultimately what happened, you know, that I think that, that I should have been more in control of was the financial aspect of things. There was a lot of money being spent on the VIP section um, that year that, that we weren't able to put towards players because we were, spending, we, were, we were putting too much money in other places. We were trying to make an experience instead of winning a game. We are trying to get the fans back more energized. Um, and I think if we won more games, we probably would have had fans in the stands and all that would have taken care of itself. Yeah. Um, you know, but you know, I, I think that year, my highest import was making 500, 500 euros a month. You know, I mean, it, it, it was nothing compared to the rest of GFL. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to pick any of my, you know, um, I had, you know, a couple of players that had already been uh, signed before I got there. Um, and then I was able to pick up a couple of European guys. And then we did have an opportunity to get an American, uh, another American player down the road. And, and we were able to get a, a defensive lineman. Um, but ended up, we, it, it Big thing I would have done here differently. We brought him in right before that two-week or six-week break there is in the summer, and the GFLs I never understood. Um, we brought him in right before that break, and there was no football, you know, and and he wanted to go home. He got homesick and he went home. And you know, I wish we wouldn't have done that. Um, wish we would have known a few more details and what was going on, um, and definitely in the, in the financial aspect of things. Uh, and, and then the big thing that I would have done, that this is the one thing that I, I still, um, I, I wish I would have uh, recognized some changes I should have made on the coaching staff earlier. Yeah. There were, there were some people on that staff that, like I said, were great. Um, that, I, that I, you being one of them, um, and yeah. uh, that, that I, I, I valued and I, I, I know were loyal and great coaches and they were just awesome human beings. And then there was other ones that we probably shouldn't have had on the staff because they were putting up roadblocks um, and, and really didn't want to change. They didn't want to see the change happen, uh, and, and we needed that at that time. Yeah. And how it goes then on? Then you go to – I think you, you were living in quick in Denver, and then you go yeah. to Westminster, and then yeah. funny story, you met Troy Tomlin again. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, I got out of, uh, we left Germany in, I think it was like in October. And yeah. so, you know, in the United States, football season is ripping and roaring. So um, I didn't have a job that year coaching football. I, I worked for a college in uh, Denver, Colorado. Um, and then uh, I got an opportunity to go back to my alma mater, Westminster College in Missouri, to coach. Um, and uh, for my old head coach, uh, who's still the head coach there, John Wilkie. And, um, Took that job, and Troy Tomlin, um, who again I had known prior to this, and, and uh, Troy was the offensive coordinator, and I was the defensive coordinator. So I got to work you know, hand in hand with Troy, and uh, you know, and there's a reason, there's a reason why Brown Schwag is doing so well. I mean, Troy's one of the best to do it. I mean, uh, he, you know, his, the amount of work that he puts in, it's it's not you can't compare it to anybody else. I mean. My first day on the job at Westminster, Troy's in there. I mean, recruiting, you know, he's doing all this stuff. Like, the guy just works. I mean, he, he is, you know, it's, he's not successful by accident. And, you know, and I, I would tell, you know, again, young coaches, I mean, if you want to be successful in this or whatever it is you want to be in life, it takes that kind of work. You, know, it, you don't get successful by, by accident. It just doesn't happen. You, know, you have yeah. to put the work in the time in. And, you know, Troy Tomlin, 
he, he's he's a fine example. That dude just works. Yeah. He, he, he earned it. Absolutely. And then I was coming over, and there was one thing you don't told me. Practice at <laughs> five in the morning. I was like, <laughs> but this is also a part of college football. All the kids have yeah. to do it. Was, you know, it's, it's, yeah. you know pe people ask me, they all get asked, what's the big difference between, you know, football in the United States, high school and college, and the GFL, you know? You know, I think my first day with the Lions, and well, let me back up. When I was in Austria, you know, we, we practiced two days a week. And I'm like, so, like are you, you're kidding me, right? Three days a week, like, oh, it's pretty normal. No, it's not. That's not normal. I mean, not where I, I mean, it's a six day a week minimum, you know, morning to, you know, in college, you've got weights in the morning, you've got either practice in the morning, you've got study halls. It's a, it's a eight to 10 hour day minimum for, you know, all year long. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a job. It, it, and we tell, you know, I tell college students, we're going to offer you a scholarship. You're basically their employee. You know, you're yeah. getting paid to go to college. You're getting, you know, you look at some of these schools like Notre Dame, it's a $60,000 a year to go to Notre Dame. Well, they're paying you to go to school. Mm -hmm. And they're paying you 60, they're going to give you an education that's going to last you a lifetime that you're going to be able to open so many doors with. Yeah, they want you to, they want you to work hard. They want you to do things. And, and, um, and so that, that's the biggest difference, I think, between football here, whether it's high school and college, than it is in Europe. I mean, it's it's a it's at least a it's it's at least a five day. You know, we'll see. You know, with this new coronavirus, maybe we're doing a lot of more things online um, as we move forward. But um, you know, it, it it's it's uh, it, it was Sebastian. I know and you struggled. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, you know we. You got to work around the kids, you know, the kids are in college. And for us, you know, we could set a practice at three o'clock in the afternoon. Well, guess what? On a Tuesday, there might be a, a, a human anatomy or a, a chemistry lab that's scheduled on that Tuesday or Thursday that those kids have to be at. I mean, they have to have that. And why are they there? They're at that college for, for a reason. And that reason is to play, is to get an education. Yeah, we, they're, they're there also to play football, but ultimately they're there to get an education and become a, a productive member of our society and, and, and all that. So that has to come first. You know, that academic piece has to come first. So we'd lose, say, 10 kids every you know Tuesday and then another group on Wednesdays. So we had to look and say, when's the one time a day that there are no classes? Well, that's before 8 a.m. So we had to get everything in before 8 a.m. And we knew, we knew nobody has a 5 a.m. chemistry class. <laughs> I remember this. This was the, that was with every call. I was like, why have you practiced so early? And everyone like, yeah, the kids have no excuse. I was like, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was why that was, uh, that was, that was crazy. It was really, really crazy because I feel the 12 o'clock, I mean, you're a teacher, you go then to, to, to teach, but so around noon, the day for me was over. I was like, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. yeah, you know, and the, and the challenging part, we, you know, we go back to, you know, to my wife, you know, and I got, I, I'm out the door, I'm out of my house by 3.30 in the morning, and uh, I'm at the office, and, you know, like you were saying, Sebastian, by, by 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's dinner time, I'm about ready for me to go to bed. Uh, <laughs> nope, she's not, that's not happening, we're going for a walk, we're going to do something, you know, at, at her and I, and, and you know, whether it's go out to dinner, she, you know, her life didn't stop. So, you know, I had to, you know, again, I had to, we have, we have to make those, those changes for each other. And that was a, 
that those are some, you know, the season is some, you can get a lot of sleep. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's what, uh, that's what I learned there. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just, I mean, one thing for you was, was that also kind of a, cause like, I mean, I know for coach Sebastian, he, he told me about the story actually, was that also kind of like a, let's say something to have having to get acclimated to just the time difference, especially for the players, because what, when did you guys play Saturday, Sundays, normally what time? Yeah, we played Saturdays. Most of our games were at noon. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, and so I would say it didn't, you know, the, we, we did do a couple things that I really liked, um, there at Westminster that, that I felt like helped us out on Saturday games more, but I don't, I, I felt like that early morning practice helped us be ready to go on an, at a noon start time than say practicing at four o'clock on an afternoon and then having to bump all that up because, you know, your kids are used to getting up or, you know, we do a, we do a, you know, Saturday morning walk with bread, team breakfast, all that stuff. The kids were up and they were used to it. I don't think that had any – that had – I think it had more of a positive effect how we performed on Saturdays. You know, the other thing that I really enjoyed that I thought was great um, was how we traveled. You know, and the, you know, the, the D3 level, you know, in, in college football in the United States, you don't fly to games. You take a, you take a bus and you get on the road 18, 20 hours. Yeah. And, uh, and so for what we would do is, you know – Typically at all the other colleges, even when I was in Oklahoma and Worcester and all that, you, you know, we'd get up Friday morning at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. and put the kids on a bus and drive the, the 18 hours, 12 hours, whatever it was, get them in a hotel late at night. You know, we'd stop and you'd practice somewhere on that Friday. But, you know, the kids get to the hotel Friday night, 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and, and then they, they you know, be expected to get in their rooms and go to bed, right? And um, – what we did was we said, okay, um, it was a weird thing that the, the charter bus companies had that, you know, if you went out on a Thursday, they had to charge you for an extra day. So we would say, okay, well, Thursday, we need all you players down here ready to go. Sebastian, I don't remember this or not, but get down here at, at 11.59 p.m. They had to show up at 11.59 p.m. on Thursday to load the bus at 12.01 a.m. on Friday morning. And so we'd put them on the bus, drive all night, get to where we were going, practice, and then the kids had all day on Friday to, to study. We walked through, did meetings, and all that stuff, and and and, uh, and, and it, that worked out really well. So, okay. I think that year you were there. We didn't have very many long road trips. Very well. we very no, we go mostly with the coaches' call. I remember yeah. with yeah. Uh, with funny coaches. Yeah, I remember. I don't remember with some uh, uh, older coach who always had funny stories to tell. It was, yeah. uh, it was was pretty cool. cool ride. Bob, Bob Gould. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Bob, Bob Gould. You know, his son, Kurt, you know, Kurt was a player. Kurt was a player there, and, and um, Kurt is now um, – I don't know if he's the receiver coach or what he's doing exactly, but he, he's at that ING Academy in, in uh, Florida. He's a coach on that staff. Okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and since then, you are a high school coach in Oregon. Yep. And I mean, we can talk about the high schools, but now you moved to high school. So, but what is for you now? There's a huge football boom in Hero. Um, is there possibilities for kids to go into high schools and then what I need to be there? What I need to, to be there? Because I remember at Eagle Point, um, it was a small town, but 
the crowd was there. It's a different. You're 14 years old. You're you're the quarterback. You better get your shit together because <laughs> everyone is watching you. Yeah, it's it's you know, and it's and I, and it, the town that I'm at now, it's probably even it's probably even more. Um, it's more of a community thing, you know. Our community where I'm at now is is you you would you would you'd be surprised, very surprised. It's awesome. It's a great they, they're very supportive. They, they love their football. They love their local high school football, and and that Central Oregon area is just a big athletic. There's just a lot of really good athletes that come out of that area, and you know we have heck, we have just south of us we have uh, Drew Bledsoe. Um, he was the offensive coordinator at one of our, one of the high schools down the street from us, you know, and, and uh, in Summit High School, and Kevin Boss and, and uh, uh, Tony Graziani, who who played for the, the uh, Barcelona Dragons, and I think he played for the Frankfurt uh, Universe and all and all that. Uh, Frank yeah. Galaxy, but um, at the time, and, and he's coaching down there. We you know we have just a lot of just a lot of really good sports in that Central Oregon area, and. Uh, but uh, you know, it, 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 to answer your question, is there an opportunity for high school kids in Germany and Europe to come over? You know, I, I can only speak on on Oregon and how our our rules work. Um, I actually had a former coach, Jimmy Jimmy Anderson, ask me that about one of his players. Um, he's got a quarterback there, and that he's in Germany right now that he thinks could could play high school football, and, and he asked me what it would take to get him over, and I said, you know. The problem in Oregon is this, and, it, and it's not a problem. It's just they do it, and I and I like the reason they do it because it, it keeps things, it keeps things fair, I guess. Um, in, in Oregon, if you're an, if you're a foreign exchange student, is what it would be considered. If Sebastian Fander wants to come play football or soccer or basketball in the United States, and he wants to go, he can't. In, in Oregon, if you, if you want to do that, there's three approved programs that you have to register for and you have to be a part of that organization which places you randomly into a host family and and so those two things it has to be you have to be registered in one of these approved programs and you have to be randomly placed so you can't say i want to go live at seth womack's house and play football at redmond high school you can and oregon's going to say okay sebastian you can but you're ineligible you're not going to be able to play varsity football okay okay so you could be on the team, you could practice, you could do all that for one year. After that one year is up, then you would be eligible to play. So in Oregon, for example, if that was to happen, then the, my advice would be to a kid, if they want to do it, you need to do it your freshman year. You need to do it when you're you know, 14 years old. So you would have that year to not be on varsity because that's going to happen. And then you would have those next three years where you could play varsity football. Or just roll the dice and see where you get randomly placed and go from there. Because then you would be eligible. Yeah. And how much football knowledge? I mean, you have a high school, how many days a week you have practice when you have the Friday night games, we everyone know. Um, But how much football know how you as a head coach put in in a season season playbook what the guys should, uh, uh, should know? Is it like like college size, like GFL, junior GFL size, or is it just simple basics, X's and O's, or how is how is maybe high school coaching changed over the years? Yeah, it's it's changed a lot since I was in school for sure. Um, 
you know, one of, one of the things I think the big difference is, is, is there's a lot more to it than football. You know, they, when I was in school, you know, yeah, guys lifted weights. There was, you know, the teams that were really good, that was their, like, their edge, their, their, their kind of ticket to being better than other teams was their, their experience and their, their commitment to the weight room. Yeah. Uh, now everybody does. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just it's in high school you you lift like we have at our high school um, we have a weights class before school, uh, which is weird because uh, you know right now I'm teaching online weight class, <laughs> and uh, you know so um, I have our football kids in a you know an early morning weight program that they're doing online. You know, it's kind of silly, but it, it is you know it's it's something. Uh, but our kids have weight weight class before school that they that all our football players we put in unless there's some extenuating circumstances that that they can't be in there. For example, you know we have a lot of kids that live 20, 30 miles outside of town. Well, they they can't get you know they they have to ride the school bus to get to to school, so they can't be there that early for the for the track for the, the, the morning weights. So they. They come to school. We have other. We have you know five classes a day. You know they're an hour and a half each class, and so we put them in. We have a weights program, weights class, all five periods a day, plus the early you know, So every kid has an opportunity to lift. Um, that's a big one. But for us, the thing that I think that's really kind of taken on is a lot of this. Um, I guess the buzzword around it would be culture and character. Um, we do. We, we focus a lot on developing that and and. and uh, actively teaching character um, and, and teaching kids, you know, this lessons, you know, we'll teach lessons on gratitude, we'll teach lessons on what it means to be a servant leader, what it means to, you know, what, what leadership looks like, you know, we, we, you know, how do you, you know, how do you develop that in young men and, and you know, important lessons like integrity, you know, what is that, you know, what, you know I, I use this, I mean, I would be shocked, I mean, now, and this is going to be kind of funny because we're talking coronavirus here too, we had a lot of kids that didn't know how to shake a man's hand. You know, you, you, you didn't <laughs> know what to do, you know? And, and, and Sebastian, we, did, we had to do that at Eagle Point, you know, and, I, and, and you know, these kids, some of these kids, they didn't know how to, you know, they, they you know, you, you got to think of, and, and I know it's probably the same in Europe, you know, we get a lot of football kids, you guys get a lot of old, probably older kids, but those youth, youth teams that you're having, you got to think about what these kids are experiencing at home. You know, um, here for us, and even over there in some places, I mean, poverty is a real thing. You know, not having enough food at home to eat, not having a, 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 a mom and dad that love each other at home, you know, having parents that hate each other, fight, argue, maybe physically, that, that's real. You know, and our kids experience that every day. And, and so we have to give them more than what they're giving or getting at home. And a lot of these kids, a lot of these young men don't get, they don't get taught that. They don't get taught how to shoot. They don't, they don't get taught how to look somebody in the eye and, and have a conversation, a meaningful conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know how to talk to a woman. They don't know how to, they don't, they're not being taught to this. And so we, we're, we do a lot of that. We do a lot of that stuff with our kids. And, and let me tell you, I'm not, I didn't invent it. You know, like that, this is, this is pretty common. This is something that, we have classes all, I mean, we have it, we meet with our kids once a, once, a, once a week, twice a week. At Eagle Point, we did it every Wednesday morning before school. Uh, we did it for an hour um, after the season was over. So uh, and it was a year-long thing. And we would 
develop our core values, to talk about what our mission of our team is and our vision of our team. We'll do all these little things and, and then put it around. We'd put it in classrooms. We'd put it around the community. We wanted everybody to know what our football team is about and what we stood for as, as young men. And, and I think that that's, that's where football is a little different now than what it was because when I was a kid, they really talked about that. When I played high school football, you, you came to practice, you went home, you know? And now it's, you know, I, we, we need to know these kids is who they are and, and we, we want to we build a meaningful relationship with these kids. We know that you know, it's cliche and it sounds, you know, it's been used a hundred times, but we want to know that when they leave our program, they are better than they were hundred uh, percent. And that's how you look at the game now. I mean, I've talked to a lot of coaches because, I mean, just like where I was coming from right now from Southern France, Marseille, I mean, I was exposed to kids coming from, from tough backgrounds. Like there were some of the players and I'm not only talking about the men's because I was also the, the youth academy director there. And we had six different youth teams and I was seeing like some of these kids didn't have a mom and dad. Some of these kids only had a mom. Um, some of these kids that had nothing to eat, you know, and I'm sitting there like I'd buy a subway and I'd give them my half of my sub, you know, make sure they would eat something. So it's tough when you when you start getting to know them, like what you're experiencing. Because I mean, I had that too growing up in a, in a single parent household, and I know what it's like. Um, and this is the thing where the game is getting at. Where it's not like before, like you kind of talked about, where it's like. And to be honest, like as coaches, you could just say, "Hey, you're here. You do this. You're done. The clock in, clock out." Now it's more like that. Also comes into the buy-in and also trying to keep them involved in the team. Where it's like you have to get to know the person. Because then that's how you're able to do what, for most of these kids that come from bad backgrounds, you gain their trust, you know? Because, I mean, I was like that growing up, too, where, you know, I was like that coach that for me, essentially, they were, I wouldn't say father figures per se, but they were a male figure in my life, you know? And they're the ones that kept me in check. But now that the way that you talk about with how the game has changed, like, that's 100%. You even see it out here in Europe. Depends where. Maybe not as much in Germany, because at least in Germany, the the economic standpoint, you know, you don't really see a lot of kids struggling. There was no food, but in other places, what I'm seeing, like in France, definitely. Um, my question to you now upon that is where do you prefer coaching? Do you prefer high school or you prefer college? Cause that's the thing too, right? Cause at least like you talked about before in college, you're giving them a scholarship. So basically they're being paid essentially to, to, to get an education, right? You're essentially an employee, like you said. And in high school, it's different because, how do you how do you find a way to get them to buy into what you're trying to do? Because at the end of the day, like you, you keep your job by production. Because as coaches, yeah. like technically, like you got to be successful at some point, you know. Yeah, you know, they're they're both so similar, but they're all they're both so different, you know. And, and I, to, to say that I prefer one over the other, you know, I, I would have to probably say right now, probably high school. Um, you know, it, it is something. It is, it is a really cool experience to see a kid go from what they were as a freshman at 13, 14 years old to when they become 18, 19. That growth that happens mentally uh, is something pretty it's, – it's pretty fun. It, it, it's knowing that, you know, that you were part of that and, that, you know, the relate. It just, it's, it's just really – I don't know, it's hard to explain. It really is. It's hard to put, put words to it. Um, I, I do love it. I, I love every day of it. It's, but then, you know, there's things about the college game that I miss. You know, there is. There's definitely things about the college game that I miss. And I, I, I miss coaching over in Europe. I mean, I, I you know, there's, you, you know, you look at it, and I think that the way to, for me to answer it is, is what's best for my family right now. 
and what's best for my family is us coaching high school football. You know, uh, it's it, I can be stable. I've got a, my son's going to be in first grade. My daughter's going to be in kindergarten next year, uh, and we know that where I'm at, we can get my kids through school here, and they can have one high school, one one elementary, middle school, high school experience growing up, and. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm like you, Coach. I, I grew up in a, in a, in a single-household family after my, my parents divorced when I was like nine years old. I moved around and bumped around and lived in different houses, this and that, you know, and and was, you know, 15 years old. I didn't have anywhere to live. I, mean, I was on my own at 15 years old. And, and the one constant that I always had was football and my, and my, and my high school coaches and then my college coaches. And, and, you know, I was always around that. And, you know, and I think, this the world needs football. <laughs> and it needs what we provide these young men, and, and at any level. And, and that's why I'm so excited about Europe, especially seeing how all these youth youth programs, these 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 teams are now starting to invest and put their time, and they see the importance of of uh, of that. You know, and, and when I was back, going back to my time in the Lions, um, you know, I was still you, you know we talked about what was. The, the culture difference. Well, let me give you a great example of the culture difference. I'm sitting in a sauna in 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 Braunschweig, and I'm you know I'm an American, and so I got I think swim trunks on. You know, I'm sitting there in swim trunks, and oh no, former former you know Braunschweig Lion player. I, I'm not gonna mention his name. He if he's if he watches this, he'll know. He, he's a he came in. He's you know naked as the day he was born. And he's sitting there, you know, I'm kind of like, yeah, this is kind of weird. He strikes up, you know, a conversation with me about everything. And you know, the thing he told me was, he goes, you know how I know you're the right guy for this job here in Brownsville? Because you want to develop it. You want to develop it from the ground up and not just sink all this money into paying for all these European players and all this and that. Because you want to develop what, what – he goes, when we were really good with the Lions, we were all firm brothers. Yeah, we had a few guys here and there, but we were really good because we were all – we all came through the program. We all came to the system. He goes, and that's how I, um, that's why I'm glad you're, you know, you're our coach. And um, he was retired. He, he didn't play anymore. But um, that was awkward. You know, I was sitting there with a, a man, naked man talking to me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and uh, so, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, it is. And, it, and it's so important that we develop those youth programs for these kids and, and give them something. You know, and I'm sure there are areas in Germany that the kids, you know, in, this, in the metropolitan areas, you know, in Berlin and Frankfurt and, mm-hmm. and Hamburg and, and, you know, Dusseldorf, there probably are some inner city kids that do struggle, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and rough home lines. And, and which is, again, why, why, why this, the world needs football. Because football can teach, I mean, in my opinion, it, it, it is the epitome of what we need as men. You know, it teaches you to compete. You get what you earn. You, you earn what you work for. You, you know, you only get what you work for. You know, you don't you don't get handouts. You're not, you know, you, you, you want to be the best, but you gotta, you gotta work for it. Um, it. It takes teamwork, it takes collaboration, it takes it, you're gonna get kicked in the nuts over and over and over again, and you've got to get back up. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and, and I don't see any other sport, I don't see any other training program, if you will, for young people. Um, I, I just don't you know and, and and I don't know if it's hit over in Europe as much as it did here just a few years ago, but I mean, football was under attack over here. I mean, it, and there was a lot of movement to get football banned from from high school and to get it, you know, youth sports for sure 
we don't want kids in middle school playing football anymore. We don't want we don't want little kids playing football anymore. It's dangerous. It's gonna you know hurt their brains and all this. No, no, the 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 benefits so outweigh the the risk. You know, I mean, it it, yeah. it is so much better. Um, and the studies have now come out to show that you know girls soccer is more dangerous for concussions than than, than youth football. You know, there are more girls in high school sustained concussions percentage wise than than boys do in football. And the game of football is safer now than it's ever been. You know, our equipment's better. Our training methods are better. You know, our nutrition. You know, all the things that we want our kids to do is better today than it was just ten years ago. And I do a mom's clinic where I bring in all the moms of our kids, um, and I and I just you know, one of the things we talk about is the safety. How can we keep their baby safe? You know. Like, and I show them my high school football helmet compared to what their son's going to do. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put my worst enemy in my high school football yeah, helmet. Yeah. You know, and you know these kids are wearing these helmets that are just like I mean, they're unbelievable. You know these, you know, and, and you know, these helmets we're buying these kids are four hundred, five hundred dollar helmets, and they're our whole team put. I mean, they're the safest things you can put them in, and they're only going to keep getting better. Yeah, 100%. And it comes down to also like, like you were kind of talking about, it comes down to also teams. And you notice that out here in Europe where the focus, and we talk about it all the time, where you still have certain teams where they're still focused on just buying players and they don't understand it's about developing these kids. And like you just talked about, like, it comes down to people within that board, the AD and so forth. Like, essentially, we have this, the same structure set up here where they understand it's more than just football. Like, you're trying to help build men, men that will essentially – you know, help build the society around them, you know, um, because ultimately like you talk about, like, I mean, that's the reason for me, I would say like, yeah, you know, you, you coach division one out here. Um, but I also love having to have some sort of hand within the youth because that process is just beautiful. Seeing them grow up, you know, you try to teach them things. Like you don't try to tell them no for certain things, but you try to say, Hey, like I've been in your shoes and I'm kind of telling you, like, you may not want to do it that way because you know, there's been some bad things that happened in my life trying it, or it wasn't the best option. But that's the beauty of it, where you know you kind of see where ultimately it's it's bigger than just football and winning championship. There's more about that process. And to be honest, at the end of the day, that is a recruiting tool because those kids come out of those programs and they like it, and they talk, they start talking to other guys like, hey, you should come here because we got these coaches that care about what developing. They don't care about just it being plug and play. And that's the big thing you notice. It's it's not only in the states. You also see it in Europe. And you're seeing like the top teams like now that have from the bottom up where they have legitimate youth programs and where they're sending kids straight to D1 or even kids going to, um, to um, let's say, high schools. Like there's one kid that was playing at Lincoln High School. He played for the Stuttgart Scorpions, and he just got signed from yeah. uh, Oregon. Like I think he played yeah. two years there, you know. So you're, you're getting kids that are basically good enough to play. You know, it just comes down to what they're being exposed to, you know. And especially as of coaches, if we're doing what? If we're kind of saying, if your goal is to play D1 ball, then we leave it up to them. And if they say yes, then we're going to do whatever we can in our hands to try to make that happen. You know, right. and not be a coach that says, oh, no, don't do that because the game is bad or whatever. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, it is, uh, you know, I also, the question before, I also love to coach high school kids. Because I will always remember at eager point, you know, sometimes you're like exhausted and one of these kids is just making random joke out of nothing and you're like, okay, okay, we are, we are there. You know, it, it's, 
it, it, it keeps you on your toes for sure. You know, you, you, Absolutely. you just never know. And, and, and it's, you know, and, and the thing is, is they're, they're kids. And it's, you know, it, it, the one difference that I'll say of high school and college is that in high school, yeah, they all, they all love it. They all do. They all take it real serious. But then a day for most, for 95% of them, they know that they're at their, they're at their last game of their senior season. That's it. They'll never play football again. Yeah. And so they're just really enjoying the experience with their friends. You know, I, I can remember the score of the Dresden game with Brownsville. I think it was 14 to 10. I can't tell you one score of my college or my high school team. Can't tell you. Because I enjoyed that time with my teammates so much. Just being stupid. Just being, you know, the bus ride, the, the, the crappy talk to each other, the, you know, the jokes, the, you know, hey, I'm going to kneel down behind Sebastian, come up and push him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some things, like that, you know, and, and those are the things I remember. And I remember talking about the talks that our coaches gave. I remember, you know, Coach Wealthy as, a, as a, when I was a player, and, and you know, of course, Coach Wyatt, you know, it, it, it was – those are the things that these kids look at. And, and, and I, I think that's why I enjoy high school. I'm really enjoying it. I do. I love it. Um, but, you know, someday, you know, I, I may go back and have that desire. I've got a lot of got a lot of friends that are still coaching at you know, every level of football. You know, you, you guys in Germany and, and, and yeah. a couple in, in Austria, I've got, you know, uh, Division One here in the United States all the way down to high school and middle school. I mean, I've got friends everywhere doing it. And, you know, it's, a, it's always intriguing. Um, but, yeah, I would say probably high school. You know, the end of all this, probably in high school. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I think it was a very interesting talk, and we get a, a deep in, look into uh, football coaching life, what it means to be put your house on reels and be everywhere and coaching different levels. But now, one and a half hour already, already done talking for a Saturday. I uh, appreciate your time, Seth. I hope you, you stay safe and healthy, uh, you and your whole family down there in the States. And, of course, we stay in touch. And I hope so as I hope the European football season will start. So I also hope for you, the American. We're open, man. We, we, have, we have nine schools signed up to come out to our high school in June uh, to, to spend a week with us to practice and you know, kind of have a, a group you know, group camp and, you know, and I, you know, the word is we're going to move that July, maybe, maybe August. So we're, we're still crossing our fingers for that. And um, I hope that happens, but you know, same as you guys over there, stay healthy, do the things they're asking us to do. And let's get the season, season underway. And, you know, there's one thing we didn't chat about. And I'll just mention real quick, you know, about coaches that they, you know, you know, European coaches, they're wanting to come over to the United States, you know, you know for those guys that are listening to this, If you're interested, you know, heck, reach out to me. I'm always looking for guys. We can always make things happen. Um, but, you know, there are coaches, there are high schools, there are colleges that would love to take young European guys, middle age, you know, as long as you, you've got the means to do it, uh, come over and help and learn and, and just keep taking that experience. And I think that's the big thing. We're willing to learn and, you know, we're, we're, none of us know it all, you know. And, uh, I'm learning every day. And, and just love football talks and, and – uh, We do it too, and so if anybody also if you want to shoot me an email, we, we do uh, on Monday nights, the United States night or 5:15 Pacific time. So that's pretty late, pretty early for you guys over there. Um, but we do a, a online coaching clinic. We have coaches from around the, around the country just to come in, talk through uh, Zoom or Google Google Meet, 
and uh, we talk about football topics. So uh, bring some good stuff in there. Uh, if anybody's interested, shoot me an email. Womack.seth at gmail.com. You can reach out to me that way. Um, I'd love to talk to anybody. So you guys have a good one. Good luck to you over there. Stay safe. Have a K-Bob for me, though. That's, that's the one thing I missed. Just can't get them over here. <laughs> absolutely. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you for having me. Thank All you. Right. Bye. Bye.